Gina Cavallaro had drifted away from the soldier escorting her, wanting to take a picture of the Iraqi children trailing as they patrolled Ramadi. She heard a lone gunshot and turned around, disoriented, trying to see where the shot had come from and where it had landed, and when she saw him. Specialist Francisco Martinez, lying on the ground, his limbs spread as he were making an angel in the sand. Cavallaro screamed. Martinez had been her escort on patrol a few days earlier and again that day. They had become fast friends, trading stories about the neighborhoods of San Juan and the never-ending Christmas celebrations of his native Puerto Rico, where Covalero, too, had grown up and begun her career in journalism. She helped drag Martinez into the Humvee that had brought her and soldiers from Alpha Company, 1st Battalion, 9th Infantry Regiment, to Ramadi. While it may tend to his wound, Cavallaro told Martinez in Spanish to not fall asleep, to look at me, and to breathe, holding his hand and stroking his arm. Back at the base, she followed behind a stretcher, watching drops of blood fall through the mist that cradled his body, leaving a long trail of dark clumps in the sand. Though a bullet had found its way into the gap between the body armor that protected his front and back, Cavallaro was told that Martinez would survive. As she walked back across the base where she had been staying, she mentally made Plancy Martinez back at Walter Reed Army Medical Center in Washington. That was the last day of her fourth in, in bed in Iraq, and she needed to prepare for the departure for home. Soon she became aware that her, the eyes of the soldiers on her. They had heard over the radio that a soldier had been shot close to Valero. Martinez's blood, in fact, was all over her bare arms and her face. We have stuff to clean that off, a soldier told her. Then, while one soldier held her outstretched arms, another wiped her off with biohazard cleanup wipes and rinsed her with a bottle of water. Remembering that she was a journalist, Cavallaro snapped a picture of the spent foil packaging, fascinated that the need of clean skin and blood was so common that these packets were as readily available as a Kleenex pack would be in civilian life. Not an hour later, while Cavallaro was sitting in a makeshift coffee lounge, Martinez's commander sought her out. He squeezed his six-foot, four-inch frame into the chair across from her and told her the news. Martinez had died. Cavallaro cried uncontrollably, then tried to stop herself, shamed by the weight of another soldier's presence in the room. Before leaving Iraq, she wrote a personal essay on Martinez's death for her newspaper, noting the grief and helplessness she felt. I've known people have been killed here, but I had not had the misfortune of having to witness a mortally wounded soldier try to hang on to life. I grieve for this fallen soldier as I know his buddies do. The column generated hundreds of emails and letters. Soldiers wrote to thank her, to commend her, and to comfort her, telling her that God had put her there for Martinez, and there was nothing like a woman's touch to comfort a man in his hour of death. Cavallaro was a staff writer for Army Times, an independent Gannett-owned weekly, published by the Army Times Publishing Company, which also publishes the other Military Times papers, Air Force Times, Marine Corps Times, and Navy Times. All other journalists embedded in Iraq were covering the war as breaking news, as current event, and as a story of our time, Cavallaro had just uncovered her beat. There should be to everyone in her newsroom, the world the world of the U.S. Army forces. Because they're at war is why we got here, says Cavallaro. We're not covering the war, we're covering them. The Military Times papers, in essence, are community papers. 
Their journalists are writing primarily for soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines, and for other family members and others connected to that world. Through their work, often goes unrecognized outside the community. The papers do some of the best and most thorough military affairs reporting around. That flows in part from a powerful sense of mission. Military Times editors, writers, and photo- photographers see the community ironically as a particularly vulnerable one who has behalf they are working. In the case of the death of Specialist Martinez, a member of that community, not just another soldier, had died too, and too young and too far from home. The most immediately striking difference between the military community and others large and small that are focused of community papers across the U.S. is that the military community is not geographically defined. Its members live and work in 440 bases across the country, 36 bases abroad. Approximately 1.5 million people currently serve on active duty in all branches of the military. Of those, 139,180 are based in Afghanistan and Iraq along with 31,820 National Guard and Reserves. As of mid-April, 3,315 of them had died and 26,188 had been wounded. The glue that binds this community is not municipal government, its home sport teams, or neighborhood schools, but the choice to serve in the nation's armed forces and the willingness to accept the possibility of death. While its members' lives intersect with those of all Americans, in whose defense the military stands and in whose name they are sent abroad. In many ways, they live apart from the U.S. In the U.S., a third of them live on base, with many of the rest living nearby in privatized former military housing. 87,000 children of military families are educated in Department of Defense schools, and a separate health care system attends to the 